I realized that the numbers don't matter that much, but the journey of being resilient and demonstrating our drive and becoming better over time, that journey is what makes it so special. Listening to Six to Eight, a podcast about people's passions, side hustles, and interests outside their nine to five work and the stories in between. I'm your host Hong Ling. On today's show, how Erfan, a software engineer by day, came into powerlifting back in college and became an amateur powerlifter with competitive aspiration during his Six to Eight. Up, one of my favorite times has always been the Olympic season, where I got to watch all these different sports. A lot of them I have never seen in real life: diving, spring hurdling, archery, and one of those was powerlifting. The little me sitting in front of the TV screen, marveling over all these great athletes with big muscles, and it completely blew my mind. Got me thinking. Must took a certain kind of person with immense body strength to take on this sport, and they have always been so strong, muscular, and athletic from day one. Well, our guest today, Erfan, a 23-year-old software engineer, have a different story. Erfan grew up in Chicago, Illinois, and ended up attending Vanderbilt, studying computer science and applied mathematics. He is also a passionate photographer, writer. Public speaker and powerlifter, and for Afan as a child, he was definitely very different from the type of person that I used to imagine who ended up taking on powerlifting. What I was like as a kid, I was a nerdy kid, and I was actually really unathletic as a kid. I was always skinny. Well, let me step back. I was a little chubby as like. Kid, kid, but then I was really scrawny and lanky in high school. I didn't really like gym class. I was always doing math problems. I was always studying for something. I was always focused on STEM and getting into a good college, etc., which was important. But I do wish, looking back, that I had been more into fitness. It wasn't until after I graduated high school, when I was thinking about my mental health and how to keep that under control,、uh, looking at college. That I found running actually is my first form of fitness, and I just started running around my neighborhood. And I grabbed the first pair of shoes that I could, and I found the first app that was free, and started tracking my runs, and fell in love with that idea of improving ourselves. And every time you go out, being a better version because of your last workout. So for the running aspect, when you first get started, was it more about getting more fit, or did you? Want to use it as a way to stretch、um, both mentally, physically. It was a combination of things. I always wanted to be more fit. I think as I got older, I naturally got a little fitter. But I wanted to actually challenge myself in that realm, and I wanted to use it as a way to channel my anxiety, to keep it under control, and give me an outlet that wasn't just studying, that wasn't just working. When you are a kid, you are 
more nerdy and doing math problems. What were some parts that you really enjoy about doing math? Was it about solving problems or truly um, diving into the school part? You know, I think a lot of my motivation was academics. It was getting into a good college. It was getting a good job. It's what every Asian American kid is going to hear growing up in this country. But a lot of it for me, looking at mathematics and what I think may have led me to computer science is that expression of solving problems and the way we can frame our solutions, the way we can find more efficient solutions. And then we can talk about it. We can explain it to other people. That transfer of ideas and that sharing of knowledge is really what inspired me. And I found mathematics a really natural way to do that. So when you started college, were you thinking about doing mathematics or did computer science cross your mind there already? You know, by the time I got to Vanderbilt, I always knew I was going to major in mathematics, which I did. I wasn't totally sure about computer science. It took me some time. I considered maybe doing something quantitative. I considered maybe going to grad school for math until I realized I wasn't that good at math. Uh, eventually, you know, I really did settle on that software engineering path with the knowledge that one, mathematics is a beautiful thing and I still wanted to study it. And I thought it made me a better computer scientist. And two, you know, a lot of mathematics, again, is about expression. It's about sharing ideas and being able to explain things in a formal, concise way. And that leads me to you know, my eventual goal of becoming a professor of computer science. I think my practice in explaining math and writing proofs and whatnot is going to make me a better professor one day. And I know that during your time in Vanderbilt, as um, you started getting involved with computer science org, Benny Hack, and could you tell us more about that and not only how your involvement, but what does it um, go to your personally? Yeah, Vandy Hacks is a student-run annual collegiate hackathon, and I got involved my freshman year just on a whim, really. I got an email from another computer science org at school saying that at the very bottom of the email that you should apply to Vandy Hacks board. And I was just sitting in the dining hall reading this email. And I was like, all right, sure, why not? You know, I want to get more involved. So I go to the interview. It goes really well. They asked me to become the director of their sponsorship team. And at first, I was a little hesitant, thinking, oh, I'm a freshman. I don't really know anything. But I took a leap of faith. It was an opportunity I didn't want to miss out on. Because the president at the time, Sam, he really inspired me to want to give back to my community when he talked to me about taking on the role and what that would look like. And once I got into Vandy Hacks and started meeting these people and doing this organizing, doing this outreach, going to conferences, uh, seeing the events as they happened and meeting the people that came to our events, it felt like home. It was a community and it was a community I was excited to help move forward. And it was somewhere that I wanted to share with other people. And I became really passionate as president of, uh, president of Vandy Hacks to bring that to as many people as possible and to empower as many people as possible to learn because that's what it came down to. If it wasn't for Vandy Hacks, I don't think I would have stayed at Vanderbilt and I don't think I would have studied computer science. I think finding that community that mutually wanted each other, everyone else in that community to keep learning and to better themselves and to help each other better themselves. That was something that I found so human and so beautiful. 
in you know, something that we might consider robotic in the world of tech, but in that community, we kind of got away from all of that and we found the humanity in it. So during your time there, especially take you back to when you were a freshman and got to be the sponsorship director, were there are moments you feel overwhelmed or have doubts towards yourself taking on such a big leadership roles or in other contexts? Oh, constantly. I definitely had too much on my plate starting my freshman year. I thought I could do everything and I wanted to do everything. You know, it's college. You want to have friends. You want to take as many classes as you can and do well in them. You want to be in orgs. You want to find time for your own hobbies. But it was really a refinement process. And part of that was figuring out who I wanted to be. And over time, I whittled things down. I figured out what classes I really needed and wanted to take. I figured out what organizations I was actually passionate about and would lead me somewhere. And I figured out how I wanted my time to be spent. And by the end of college, you know, I've had a few things that I was focused on. I loved teaching, so I always TA'd when I could. I loved public speaking, so I ran our Toastmasters chapter at Vanderbilt. And I loved community organizing and tech. So I helped run Vandy Hacks. And beyond that, I took some classes here and there. As you touched on before that, especially college time is a big transition, but also a time where you learn, explore, but also start getting realized who you are as a person. So could you take me back to the time that you started becoming more aware about mental health and things that really challenge you to think about those things? Yeah, it was always something I was aware of. And I always knew that my mental health was a challenge for me. Uh, even as a kid, you know, I was always anxious. I really struggled with that. You know, I saw a therapist as a nine or 10 year old for a little bit, and that kind of helped for a while. In high school, it got, you know, a bit worse. You know, I was diagnosed with depression when I was 17. And at that point and going into college, I was really aware that, okay, these are all the things I want to accomplish. But my mental health has to be in check and I have to temper that and make sure it's in order if I'm going to accomplish all of this other stuff. And that's when I started looking into running fitness as a form of controlling that. And that was always a good outlet. It's when I explored some more creative outlets that, that I was able to find some release from that. You know, I was doing spoken word. I was rapping. I was making music for a period of time. I was doing public speaking and writing speeches, and that gave me an outlet. But it, I figured out pretty early on that mental health was something really important to me. And eventually I realized how important it is to everyone. So when you start first started um, doing running, what are a few steps that you took that you found really helpful for you? Because for me, <laughs> if I wanted to start something new or unfamiliar, it seems so daunting and seemed the goal that I wanted to achieve were huge. So could you share a little bit about how you go around that? I think we're always afraid of being bad at something. And I was so comfortable being good at school and being good at my high school clubs that I didn't want to embarrass myself in front of anyone and try anything new. But with running, nobody had to know. It was just something that I could do. I didn't have to tell anyone about it. Maybe people would see me running in the neighborhood, but they don't know how fast I'm running or how slow I'm running or if I'm in taking a break or if I'm going my fastest. 
it was just me and the pavement and the music in my headphones. And I think that space is really what gave me, gave me that sense of calm when I was running. It became less daunting when I realized it was just about me and being better than I was yesterday versus trying to compare to anyone else. And do you feel better day by day or were you constantly checking, for example, setting a goal for running a certain amount of time or recording yourself how long it took to run the same distance? Oh yeah, running is really quantifiable. It gives you a way to measure if you're making progress. But the thing with running, especially if you're an untrained athlete, is as soon as you start doing it, you get better really quickly. And that was so empowering. It gave me a lot of excitement to see how much better I could be every time I went out and ran. How long did you um, start doing the running for and before you started looking to uh, powerlifting? No, I think I ran for maybe about a year until I got injured and then I had to stop. Uh, but in that time, you know, I really enjoyed it as a hobby. I ran a couple of 5Ks that I was really proud of. I actually put up some decent times. I thought that I would get a bit more advanced with it until uh, the lower back injury put me out of it. Uh, but once I had recovered from that is when I actually found weightlifting. So what is the difference between powerlifting um, with all the other possible things out there? Yeah, so there's a variety of strength sports out there. There's powerlifting, there's bodybuilding, there's strongman, there's Olympic weightlifting, there's strength training just for fun. Uh, powerlifting specifically is a sport focused on your big three compound lifts, bench press, deadlifts, and squats. And trying to do, trying to do those movements with as much weight as possible at as low a body weight as possible. And what are some major components of getting that stat about power, able to do powerlifting? The major components of being able to do powerlifting, I think, is consistent training, strong nutrition, of course, but it's also a lot about technique. It's not just about muscling weight up, weights up. It's about developing and honing the skills to be a capable, competent power lifter and to be able to execute these movements safely with a lot of weight, to be able to perfect your form and make sure that you're, again, being safe and as efficient as possible when moving these weights. And for people who might not be familiar with powerlifting and the sports in general, um, could you share a little bit about the lifts such as squat, bench, past, and deadlift? Yeah, sure. Um, so squatting is putting a barbell on your back and trying to squat down with that weight and then come back up with that weight. And with this movement and competition, it really matters that you're achieving enough depth. Uh, you don't want to half squat it where you don't go all the way down. You want to make sure that your hips are parallel to your knees at least. Uh, sometimes they'll look for something called a hip crease to make sure that you've executed the movement correctly. But if you're only squatting part of the way down, that movement doesn't count. Bench press is about horizontally laying on a bench and pressing a weight down to your chest, pausing, and then pushing it back up. 
you don't want to just bounce it off your chest. That's not going to count in the competition. And deadlift is taking a bunch of weight on a bar, putting it on the ground, and then trying to pick it up. And there's forms for doing this, but you want to be able to do it safely without throwing out your back. And you want to be able to pull it all the way up and lock out and not kind of be hunched over it. You want to have your you want to have full extension of your upper body. You want to be upright, holding that weight at the very top of your deadlift to know that you've accomplished that movement. And for you personally, what would you say um, the hardest part for you either to get started or during the whole process? I think the hardest part was finding consistency with it because I didn't always have the right motivation or enough motivation. You know, it was something that I wasn't taking as seriously, but once I got a lot more serious with it, that consistency came pretty naturally. And it just became about getting to the gym for every single workout on my schedule and not skipping those workouts because then I could trust that the results will come. We're Weightlifting and powerlifting, something floated on the back of your mind for a while before you actually get started. And I'm so curious about when did you have the gut and the courage to say, yes, I'm doing powerlifting one day. I've, this is a, it's been a journey. I was always comfortable in the weight room because we had weight training classes in high school. And I got comfortable getting under the bar, doing the motions. I knew the basics. And, you know, I dabbled a little bit during my freshman year of college, just with strength training, just trying to get a little fitter, trying to get a bit stronger. And it wasn't until my sophomore year of college, so just about four years ago right now, that I discovered weightlifting as, and strength training as a means of dealing with my mental health. I'd gone through a bad breakup in the middle of my sophomore year. And I thought, okay, I have all these negative emotions. What do I do about it? And the gym just seemed like a really natural way to channel that. And it was, there's a saying that breakups make bodybuilders. And while bodybuilding isn't my sport, I think the sentiment holds true that going through something like that, it means that you need to find a place to be and you need to find a place to channel all of those emotions. And for me, the weight room made a lot of sense. And how, in what ways that putting your emotions in the weight room that really helps you to deal with those emotions? You know, as soon as you enter the gym, as soon as you get under that bar, nothing else matters. It's just you versus that bar. It's just you versus that weight. You trying to be better than you were the day before and trying to get stronger. I like to tell people that are nervous about entering the gym, that you don't go to the gym to be strong. You go to the gym to get stronger. You know, it's a place to be a better version of yourself. Everybody in there, every single individual is trying to be better, whether they're obese and trying to lose weight, whether they're a competitive athlete, just trying to get a little bit better for their next competition or their next meet. Everybody is trying to be a better version of themselves. And that's what I find beautiful about that environment is it's just a lot of people trying to be better. And what's more pure than that totally uh, for me <laughs> looking back to my freshman year i really found going to um, the rack for swimming simply diving to the water after a long school day helped me to give a space for myself to a lot of thoughts start coming to my head as i sing the water um, so i'm curious to hear 
about when you're in the lifting room, do your thoughts wander or is it more that you're so focused on what you're doing that you are just doing it? It's a mix. I think at first when I was trying to channel all of that anger, that sadness, that frustration, it was a really active thought process. It was me thinking, oh, I'm so mad. I'm so upset. Let me get a really big pump today. Let me go really hard with these weights. But over time, especially as I matured and I found the sport of powerlifting and became a bit calmer about it, the gym really became a place to leave my emotions outside, except for, except for the select few I wanted to deal with that day. Everything else in my life, except for what I wanted to deal with, I didn't have to worry about it while I was at the gym. I didn't even have to bring those emotions to the gym if I just wanted to focus. And that stands true today. You know, some days, yeah, I'm pissed off about something. I'm upset about something. And I just bring that into the gym with me. And I'm aware of it, but I'm so focused on my lifts that I kind of squash it. Other days, I just want to go in and lift and I want to be better. And I want to focus on being a stronger version of myself than I was yesterday. And those days, it's a temple. It's a meditative space. And I let my mind wander wherever it wants to go. And as you are going to the gym for your training and thinking to push yourself, how do you, you navigate the balance about um, pushing yourself and lifting more weights, but not over pushing yourself that your body couldn't handle the weight? I think that's a really common problem for people who get into the gym for the first time. They end up getting injured, they end up feeling uh, something called delayed onset muscle soreness, which is that soreness you get a day or two after you hit the gym for the first time, and you think, oh my god, it's going to feel like this every time. The truth of it is, it doesn't feel like that every time. You just get used to it, and the feeling goes away. Yeah, you feel a little sore, but it's never anything like that burn that you find the first time you start working out. But for overtraining, I think the beautiful thing about powerlifting specifically the sport of powerlifting is how scientific it is because it all comes down to biomechanics. It comes down to physics. It comes down to regimented training programs and nutritional science and figuring out ways that we can push the human body to its limits within reason without harming it while maximizing performance. You know, we can, we can find ways to balance performance with recovery. And there's so much science out there now. There's so many YouTubers sharing information for free online that it's pretty easy to just start consuming all of this knowledge. And that's the other thing I love about powerlifting is I'm always learning. I'm always learning better technique. I'm always learning more about nutrition. I'm always learning more about how to push myself further and to do it safely and to do it within reason without overworking myself or risking injury. And speaking of injury, I know that there was a point time that you had an injury throughout your powerlifting journey. Would you mind sharing a little bit about how you get through that and how did that um, help go through that injury for you? Yeah, totally. So I've had a couple of injuries. The first was I over impinged my shoulder back in 2018. And that was right around when I started taking powerlifting really seriously. I was maybe a little less than a year into it at that point in time. And that put me, put me on the sidelines for a few months. When I got back into it, my shoulder still bugs me, but it's nothing terrible to this day. But last year, February of 2020, is when I tore my meniscus. 
when I was squatting and I was trying to stay clear of some people that were working out nearby me, I moved back in the squat rack a little bit. And when I got to the bottom of my squat, the weights actually hit the safety bar, which I thought I was clear of. So I lost my balance. I twisted on my knee to throw the weight back so I wouldn't fall. And I ended up tearing the meniscus. No freak accident, things happen. Uh, that's really no big deal. Now, the following month I got surgery on it. And when I was stuck recovering my knee, not really able to walk all that well using crutches and you know, in a decent amount of pain, plus quarantined, because that was the start of the COVID pandemic, it gave me a lot of space to think. And it made me think about why I was even pursuing powerlifting. What did it mean to be an athlete, even at that level of an enthusiast, I would say, you know, what did it mean to push myself in that way? Was it worth it to do that? And I was watching videos of power lifters. I was watching a lot of old MMA fights at the time as well. And thinking about that competitive spirit and that resilience that people have, you know, when they take it into the cage. And I think that translates really well to the sport of powerlifting. I realized that the numbers don't matter that much, but the journey of being resilient and demonstrating our drive and becoming better over time, that journey is what makes it so special. And I think that injury kind of lit a fire under my ass and it gave me a lot of motivation once I had rehabbed my knee, gone through physical therapy, you know, by mid 2020, especially since gyms were opening back up with restrictions for safety and health, you know, that I was 100% focused on taking this as seriously as possible. I thought I was focused before, but it was nothing like when I got back into the gym after that injury. I knew that I wanted to take this beyond an enthusiast level. I knew I wanted to get to the absolute upper limits of what I could physically do. And I wanted to get competitive with it and really take this far because, well, because I can, because I have my knee now, because I have the ability to. And you go in the gym and you lift weights for the sole purpose of lifting heavier weights. And it's so simple, but that journey, again, it doesn't matter what the numbers on the bar are. It's more about that journey and that, that ability to become better. It's something that we can actually do to make ourselves better. It's not a talent, it's a skill and you can hone that. And by getting more competitive, are you more focused on pushing yourself harder or also the competitive sense in doing it with other people? Both, I'm hoping to do my first meet next year. I would still say that I'm in my training phase. I'm currently trying to move up in weight because like I said earlier, I was a scrawny kid in high school. So it's taken a lot of time to bulk up and get on the muscle that I want. Uh, but I think by next fall, I'll really be ready to put up some more impressive numbers and be at a place where I'm comfortable competing with others. And throughout this training phase, do you um, have coming across any coaches or trainers or is it more a journey with yourself? No, I used to think that it was a sign of weakness to have a coach or a trainer. I thought I could do everything myself, but it got to a point where I realized that that was pretty stupid. That this journey doesn't need to be a solo one. 
And I did find a powerlifting coach and I realized I want to get to that next level, but I don't think I can do it alone. I know I have certain weaknesses that I need somebody else to tell me about because I just can't learn all of that on my own. So I did find a, a trainer coach. Uh, his name is John and he's really helped me figure out my imbalances, figure it out, helps help me figure out ways that, you know, I can, I can address my weak points. And by doing that, you know, once I get into my workouts every week after he shows me new stuff, he teaches me new stuff, I'm always able to improve. And the last several months that I've been working with him, you know, my form has been great and my weaknesses have been largely diminished. And, you know, I feel like I'm setting myself up for a lot of success going into 2021. That's awesome. And are there, especially during your time um, having the injury and the recovery phase, what are some uh, mentors or even, you know, personally or don't know personally, or just the athlete that you really admire? Uh, do you have any come to mind? Oh, I like this you? question. I like this question. This is where my love of martial arts really comes in because I did train martial arts as a kid. I wasn't that good, but I did train. And, you know, looking at these fighters, these UFC fighters, they, a lot of them have stories to tell. And there's one in particular, he's currently the middleweight champion of the UFC, Israel Adesanya. He talks about how he always got bullied as a kid for being nerdy, for being into the stuff he was into. And he started learning kickboxing just for self-defense maybe 10 years ago. And that journey took him to an amazing kickboxing record and an undefeated UFC record and several title defenses. And I love that story of overcoming that adversity and being able to show up the people who doubted you and being able to show up the adversity that you faced, you know, in, a, in an indirect way. You know, I think with powerlifting, it's really similar. If I can hit a new personal record squatting, you know, if I can beat that, I see that as one of my demons almost. If I can get that squat, if I can get that weight up, it's like I'm fighting my demons outside of the gym at the same time. It's proof that I can do it. And by excelling at what he does, Israel Adesanya has you know, defeated his demons of, of those memories of you know, not being bullied as a child and having to overcome that. He's overcome it in a, a different way, in a much more in a much more advanced way, if you will, as an adult. He's really morphed that into his story. And during those training days, of course, when you keep on pushing yourself and trying to stretch it harder, of course, there are days that you probably your body don't feel good as before or maybe not hit the number you could get a few days before. How did you navigate those emotions and um, those not so sunny days? Oh, it's funny you say that today because I had one of those days yesterday and it pissed me off. It made me upset. I was bummed out that I didn't hit the numbers I wanted to. But, you know, in this game, it happens sometimes. And it's always better to go in the gym and have a bad workout than it is to skip going to the gym. That's what I believe because I think that consistency is what makes us better. And I would always rather be able to tell myself, hey, at least you still went than say, oh, I wasn't feeling it, so I didn't go. I don't skip workouts no matter what. And if it ends up not being a good workout, then it's on to the next one. See what we can do tomorrow. 
And when you're going to the gym doing the workout, do you see other、um, power lifters、um, there, or are I curious to see if you sometimes maybe you see other people who can lift way heavier than yours, or how did you navigate those? Oh yeah, there are plenty of people at the gym stronger and weaker than me, and I love seeing the people stronger than me because they inspire me. They tell me that. It's possible to accomplish that, and I try to get advice from them. I like talking to them and hearing what they have to say. And for the people that are weaker than me, it inspires me knowing that hey, I was there once too, and now I'm here. And one day you're going to be where I am too, and we're all going to keep progressing. Again, it's that collective、mm -hmm. journey of everyone trying to better themselves. Going through this journey of the transformation from the training that I. See, there is a delicate balance between training routine, but also having those rest days and taking care of your body. And you touch on nutrition.、Um, could you share a little bit more about how you navigate eating nutritious diet that help you give your power to doing intense powerlifting work? Yeah, sure. So there have been periods where I've tracked calories, I've tracked every single macronutrient, you know, proteins, carbs, and fats. I don't do that now because, well, one, I'm too lazy to do it. But two, I've got a decent feel for what I'm eating. I have an idea of what foods I eat in any given week. It's usually pretty much the same,、uh, even day to day. It's always pretty similar. And right now, I'm at a point where I just want to get as big and strong as possible. So I kind of shovel whatever I can into my mouth at this point. You know, I eat about three thousand, thirty-five hundred calories a day. I try to aim for at least two hundred grams of protein. And a sufficient amount of carbs, and not too many fats, and then I'm comfortable with that.、Uh, I, I don't think I have the most precise approach to nutrition because I don't really care about getting lean right now. I'm not trying to. I'm not on a cut or anything. I'm just trying to get big. If I were trying to lose weight, then I would probably be tracking every single calorie that I'm eating and making sure that you know I'm maximizing every bit of potential that I can. Right now. As long as I'm getting the calories in, I'm getting the protein in. I'm straight. Speaking of powerlifting, and for especially the people who are just getting started or who are thinking about doing powerlifting,、um, what are some advice that you would love to pass on to them? Oh, there's some advice that I would have liked to have. A few years ago, when I got into the sport, one is to always check your form. You know, it's always about technique. The sport of powerlifting is about skill. It's not just about, you know, putting weight up and muscling it up. It's about doing it as efficiently as possible. And with that comes a lot of technique. Comes your form. Comes making sure that you're not putting yourself at risk of injury. It's always better to train with a lower weight. But impeccable form than to have atrocious form just to try and get some weight up because that's how you get injured. That's how it goes every single time, almost every single time, I should say. That's how somebody gets injured. They're trying to do too much, and they could have trained submaximally. They could have used less weight than they could actually do to actually get the results that they wanted. And that would be the first piece of advice to anybody looking into powerlifting: is to focus on your technique. And hone that when you start, so you don't have to worry about it later. You don't have to make corrections later. A second piece of advice would be to watch your nutrition. 
and make sure that, yeah, you can eat a lot if you want to get bigger, but don't overdo it. Be reasonable and try not to get too, try not to put on too much fat. Focus on lean bulking and you're going to feel a lot better. And I think the last piece of advice to anyone looking to get into the gym, because I hear a lot of people say, oh, I'm so nervous to go to the gym. I don't want people to watch me. I would like to remind those people that nobody's watching you because everybody's focused on their own workout, on their own journey. If somebody's watching you, well, maybe you're doing something really wrong and they're gonna help you not get hurt. But beyond that, people are really focused on them. And if you do something great in the gym, then they'll probably notice. I notice when people come in and they're lifting more weight than they did a few weeks ago, or if they look like they've gotten bigger, I never judge people for anything negative. I'll see people who look like they came from an unhealthy lifestyle at the gym. And it's not like, oh, what's he doing here? It's more this dude is, or this woman, or this person is trying to get better. And I have so much respect for that. You know, when you see obese people at the gym, you know, I've, hear, I've heard that they're afraid that they're gonna get judged. I'm judging them in the opposite direction. I wish I had that kind of drive to go and to improve myself from you know, that kind of situation. You know, that's a way different battle than the one that I'm facing just trying to get better at my sport. You know, that's a, that's a whole life and health battle. And I have a lot of respect for that. So never think that anybody's judging you negatively because everybody's at the gym to get stronger, not to be strong. And I can almost guarantee you that everyone wants everyone else to get stronger too. And how do you see yourself and your um, six to eight in a month from now, um, a year from now, and five years from now? A month from now, I think that I'll be on a new training program. I'm finishing up after about six months on my current one, and then I'm gonna be switching to one written by this YouTuber named Jeff Nippard. Uh, in a year from now, you know, I hope to improve my lifts a lot. I hope to be a lot bigger, a lot stronger, put on another 15-ish pounds, um, add a couple hundred pounds to my total. Uh, I would love to be squatting 500 in a year. I don't think it'll happen. I think I'll be in the mid fours by then, but you know, we'll see where it goes. And in five years from now, I don't know if professional powerlifting is something in my journey, but as close to it as I can get, as advanced and elite as I can get, you know, I want to be at a national level. I want to be really competitive and I want to prove to myself first and foremost that I can do it, that I can compete with the strongest guys out there. That's Erfan, a software engineer by day and a powerlifter by night. Thanks for listening to 6 to 8, a podcast brought to you by Hanling. If you enjoy this podcast, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. And remember, there is so much more to life other than your 9 to 5. See you in our next episode.